My name is Annie Link, and this is my husband, Jerry. And we've been going to Impact since 2013. Well, I grew up in a Christian home. Being close to God and practicing out my faith was something that was just kind of an expectation of what would happen in my life. I grew up in a in the Catholic Catholic family, and it was a good thing. The whole Catholic and like our, our pastor, us being able to get married and like combining those two things at the wedding was great. But then afterwards, like, okay, now what do we do? Jerry was just like, okay, I'll come with you. You know, we'll go to your church. At home, that seemed to be all on me reading to the kids, doing their prayers, getting ready for church. Like, it was a fight pretty much every Sunday. She said she wanted to get baptized. And so I was like, well, you can't do that without me. I started taking a hard look at things, and that's when we started saying we'll look for a different church because I just knew I couldn't, I couldn't grow anymore where we were at. This is something that I've wanted for him for so long, and realizing like he's actually taking a step. Uh, we came to Impact in the summertime. Now when you say like close your eyes and raise your hand if you, if you feel like if you've prayed the salvation prayer six months into us going to impact, I saw, <laughs> I didn't have my eyes closed. I was just looking down. I mean, I wasn't looking around, but I just, the corner of my peripheral, I saw Jerry's hand move and I was like, wait, what? So I looked and my eyes were open, I know. And his hand was up and my, oh, I was just bawling. It was pretty incredible. I just let go and let God take over. And I had never done that before in my life. Annie mentioned there's baptisms coming up, so. All right, so let's go do this. It felt like the, the day that I had my first communion thousand years old. About those feelings renewed. His uh, perspective on just caring about other other people, um, him learning to let go of certain things, just the, the faithfulness is kind of what I um, just see over and over. It's not just like the, the two of us, like our marriage isn't just about just us. God is a friend that you can talk to. He's someone that always has your back. You can lean on him. God will answer your prayer. Um, it might not be what you expected, but he, he will. I saw the things that God was doing around my life. I saw my children and you know, I wanted to lead them in the right direction. And, uh, I, it wasn't the way I was going, so I knew something had to change. Yeah, can we give it up for Jerry and Annie for sharing their story? Man, I love that. I love what they shared. I love how they talked about these faith decisions and faith that had been around from, the, from their early childhood, but just a rededication and, and faith that was cyclical, not linear. 
faith that changes and faith that is renewed over and over and over again. I love how he said, I just let go and let God, but I'd, I'd never done that before. I wanna say welcome to Impact. Um, I'm John, I'm one of the pastors here, and if you're new um, and you don't have faith or you don't have belief or that's not your story, that's okay. We're a church of a lot of different types of people with a lot of different types of background. Like I, I know the things that you've gone through in the last week or the things that I've gone through in the last week or last month or last year or lifetime are drastically different. And where we, uh, where we all stand on this faith journey is different and that's okay. In the last 14 weeks, we've been going through a series called The Art of Living and we have read through 12 books of the Old Testament. 12 books, isn't that exciting? I mean, that's something to celebrate, that we have read through all of this scripture together. And some people have gotten off the bandwagon, and some people have jumped back on, and some passages were really hard, and, and uh, when you're reading through genealogies, you're like, I'm done, but then I'm back in because I like this story, and that's okay, we're reading through scripture together. And we've talked about the art of uh, romance and the art of contrition the art of fortitude or strength, the art of agency or our will, the art of reality, of doing hard work, the art of grace, of parenting, of comforting, of drinking, and today we land on the art of belief, the art of faith, the art of faith. We have this phrase, this motto around here at Impact, and it goes like this, belong, become, believe. This is like our strategy for ministry, belonging first, becoming, and then believing. Sometimes we talk about belonging so much um, that I, I, we wanna make sure that we're ending this series on the idea of faith, of belief. This intangible uh, idea or um, philosophy um, that you can't get your hands around, that's like nailing jello to the wall on a lot of days, that's challenged um, through different other beliefs, that's uh, challenged through different circumstances, and we're gonna be reading in a story um, in Daniel chapter three. Before we get there, though, faith is a big deal. Jesus talked about faith all the time. He talked about belief and faith. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. He said, um, I've not seen such faith in all of Israel. Woman, you have great faith. Your faith has healed you. Because of your faith, your sins are forgiven. Faith, belief. How about the most well-known verse in all of the Bible, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Belief is a big deal. And yet, I just wanna to start today by acknowledging that belief is hard. I had a friend in college, he was a, um, a religion philosophy major, and I don't know if there are any people that have taken religion philosophy classes, but you kinda of question everything, you know? <laughs> like the, the purpose of those is to question. And he went through this part of his faith where he was just questioning everything, foundational beliefs that he had grown up with. Have you been there? Some of you are there. Some of you aren't there, but you'll be there maybe tomorrow because of something that happens later today. And so he's questioning faith and he asked this pastor at a camp, he said, hey, I've got all these questions. 
And the pastor's response, I don't remember all of what the pastor said, but I remember one thing that he said and it made us feel about this big. And he said, guys, faith is easy. And we kind of stepped back and I watched my friend shut down because it wasn't easy for him. It was hard. I don't pretend as we talk about the art of belief today that faith is easy. In fact, the story that we're going into in, Jan in Daniel chapter three <clears throat> is anything but easy. It's really, really hard. Some of you have struggled with belief, belief in scripture, believe in Jesus, believe in the miraculous. And that's okay. I think God can handle our questions. I think he's calling us to a place of stepping out of a boat, <laughs> of drawing a line in the sand, of trusting him even when you don't have all the answers, of trusting him even when you're not sure what tomorrow holds. And that's the story of these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel chapter three. If you have your Bibles, you can open to Daniel chapter three. And we're gonna start in verse one about these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or some of you know them better as Rack, Shack, and Benny. VeggieTales fans out there, hello? Yeah, all right, good, good. Nebby K, Nebby K. I'll be talking about Nebby K and the bunny. Um, some of you are totally confused, and I'm sorry about that. Um, just, I'm weird, okay? All right. Okay, let's, uh, let's start in Daniel chapter three, verse one. Daniel chapter three, verse one. It'll be up on the screen. King Nebuchadnezzar, that's a mouthful, right? Made an image of gold 60 cubits high and six cubits wide. That's 90 feet high and nine feet wide. And set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, the governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. Verse four. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all other kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. We're gonna stop the story there and we'll read on a little bit later. Let's talk a little bit about what we've just heard in the story. The story starts off right at the beginning with the antagonist, a king. The problem, an idol, in, and a country or a, a place, a province, Babylon. The king is Nebuchadnezzar. He's one of the strongest kings in Babylon's history. Babylon was an ancient uh, civilization, a group of people that had conquered most of the known world in the Middle East. They conquered most of the Fertile Crescent. Babylon existed in present day Iraq, like think Baghdad, um, near the Tigris River and the Euphrates. But they conquered, he went on this like uh, conquering spree and went all throughout the Fertile Crescent, all the way down to parts of even Egypt and conquered uh, God's people, Jerusalem, in the sixth century BC. Nebuchadnezzar was a, a uh, he was a pretty tough guy. Um, when it came to his interaction with the Jews, 
Um, he conquered their kings. So it says in Daniel chapter one, we didn't read that part today, but it says in Daniel chapter one that he conquered um, Jerusalem. He sacked Jerusalem. And at first, I don't know how many people he killed in the process, but he took back some people. He kidnapped some of their, um, their teenagers, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and some others. Um, and he took their king, Jehoiakim, back to uh, Babylon. A couple of kings later, Zedekiah, he's not actually mentioned here, but Zedekiah was one of the kings of Judah and he tried to revolt against Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar brought in Zedekiah's sons, killed them right in front of him. Could you imagine watching your children die right before your eyes, like slain? Killed his sons right in front of him, then gouged out his eyes, blinded him and had him bound. He's making some statements. Like, my hand, my fist, my control, my might, no one's gonna defeat it. No one's gonna stand up to me. This is Nebuchadnezzar. His name literally means may Nebo, one of their gods, the Babylonian gods, protect the crown or protect my son. This is Nebuchadnezzar. He sets up this image of gold. Now, as he conquered all of these nations around Babylon throughout all of the Fertile Crescent, he would have brought, he, they had this strategy Babylon did that was very clever. They wouldn't just destroy the people and put them in submission. They would then take some of their best and their brightest from each nation and bring them to the palace and try to convert them. They would give them new names. They would give them new clothes. Daniel chapter one, they would give them new food. We'll hear about that a little bit more later. They would teach them in all of their types of uh, philosophy. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, they would have been taught um, about cuneiform writing, Sumerian and Akkadian culture. They would have been taught about astronomy and uh, in mathematics and religious belief of all of these other cultures. You see, Nebuchadnezzar, he was okay, and so is Babylon, with pluralism, with polytheism, but not with monotheism. Does it sound like a culture that maybe we live in today? I don't think Babylon was all that unlike uh, the United States or a lot of our cultures globally today. Live and let live, believe what you want, pluralism is okay, you believe, I believe, you. but don't, if your beliefs are intolerant of my beliefs, or if you believe that there's one way, one God, one truth, I've got problems with you now. This is Babylon. This is Babylon. This king, he built a, uh, he was so strong and he's actually known, Nebuchadnezzar was known um, by Herodotus and um, by Philo, two uh, ancient historians. They wrote about Nebuchadnezzar and um, accredited the hanging gardens of Babylon to him. I've got a picture of it up on the screen here. The hanging gardens, what they think the hanging gardens of Babylon looked like. He built it for his median wife. This is Nebuchadnezzar. But there's a few other guys in the story that I wanna to move to. There's a few other characters at play and we didn't hear about them in the first six verses. But we hear about them in verse 12. Verse 12 of the book of Daniel chapter three says this. Okay, so the people all come together, like all of these people from Babylon, from different religions, from different backgrounds, they come together and they play the music and they fall down and worship uh, the image, except for three guys. Now, some of the other officials, they notice this. And so they come to the king and they, they rat out these three Jewish young men. 
And this is what it says in verse 12. But there are some Jews, O king, whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. We're gonna camp out here in this verse for a little bit. First, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Rack, Shack, and Benny, okay? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their names were given to them when they came to Babylon. Shadrach means the command of Aku, the Sumerian moon god. Meshach, who is what Aku is? And Abednego, servant of Nabu, the god of wisdom. Nabu is where uh, part of Nebuchadnezzar's name came from. These are the names, the labels that they're given from Babylonian culture. Have you been given a name or a label or an identity or a word or an adjective that's defined you recently? Maybe it's failure. Um, Maybe it's adulterer. Maybe it's addict. Uh, Maybe it's stupid. Maybe it's ugly. Maybe you've believed things about yourself over the last several months or years or weeks that the world has given to you, that Satan has given to you, that people around you have given to you and you've begun to believe something about yourself that actually isn't true. You see, belief, before belief starts with action, it actually starts with identification. You see, these young men, their names really weren't Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That wasn't their identity from the beginning. Did you know they had three other names? Does anyone know their names? We don't really talk about their names. They're real names. We talk about their fake names. That's how we talk about them, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Their names were Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. Hananiah means the Lord is gracious. Mishael means who is what God is, not who is what Aku is, Notice what Nebuchadnezzar is trying to do to them when he even captures them and takes them to Babylon. He's trying to change their identity. He's trying to change who they are. He's trying to change their belief system. And he thinks that, you know what I'm gonna start with? I'm gonna start with their identity. Because if I can change the way they think about themselves and the way that they think about God, then I can change their actions. So many of us, when we talk about belief, if I were to ask you, do you believe in God? You would say, well, I'm here. I'm at church. No, that's not what I asked. Do you believe in God? Do you follow Jesus? Well, I mean, I, I pray or I, I read my Bible. I try to pray. I try to read my Bible. That's not what I asked. Do you know who God is? Do you believe in who God is, his character? And do you believe in who he's created you to be? Identification. Who is what God is? The Lord has helped. These are their real names. Belief doesn't start with action. It starts with identification. Belief starts with identification. I want you to notice something else here at play in this verse though. Verse 12, there's something else. It's actually so obvious that I've missed it over and over again every single time I've read this story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. I've missed that every single time that they're mentioned in scripture, it's always together. Always together. 
They're never mentioned 15 times in, this, in, in scripture. They're mentioned and it's always together. They're a posse. They're a clique. They're a gang. They're an accountability group. They're a life group. They're a Talmudim. They're best friends. They're, band, they're a band of brothers. You see, church, I think the second thing about belief, the art of belief, capturing the art of belief, is that belief is strengthened in community. Don't go it solo. Belief is strengthened when you can put your arms around the person next to you. I wonder as they stood up and as they didn't bow down, I wonder if one of them, like faith isn't, isn't all the same. Your faith is different than my faith is different than your faith. And there's days where I struggle that I need Dennis to come up and say, hey man, hey, remember who you are and remember who Jesus is. Remember who you've been created to be. And there's times where that's, that's flipped. And I wonder as they're standing there, if Hannah and I is like, I don't know about this, guys. Remember what they said? I mean, there's a furnace waiting for us. Come on now. I wonder if one of the guys is like, what if we just kinda, I don't know. What, what if we try, what if we hide? What if, I don't know about this. And they're, and they're standing together as a band of brothers. In college, I knew, I found out pretty early on the importance of this, of belief being strengthened in community. And it was my freshman year, I developed uh, these friendships, it's Adam and Nate and Simon, and the four of us met just about every single week of college for four years. We called ourselves the debriefing. None of us had military experience, but it came from a military idea like before and after a battle, before or after a mission, you talk about the mission, you go over what, what it's gonna take to complete the mission. And after it, you come back together and you, you kind of take account of casualties and you lick each other's wounds and you talk about what happened and where you got beat down and battered. And every single week we would do this and we go, how's your heart? Are you staying pure? Are you fighting for your faith? I don't know, man, I just wanted to give up this week. Yeah, I get it, but you, no, stand strong. Remember who you are. Remember who God is. Remember God is gracious. Remember there's no one like God. Remember that God is your helper. Remember your name. Remember who you are in Christ. We did this every week. There's something else though about this verse. Last thing in verse 12. But there are some Jews whom you've set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, who pay no attention to you. Your majesty, they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Belief now is not just about identification. It's now about resolve. It's to stand firm. Belief is to stand firm. Your beliefs, and guide, your beliefs guide and underscore everything in your life. Your beliefs determine so much about things that are seen to everyone else, your habits, your actions, things that people see about you, your beliefs underscore all of that. When they say we won't bow down, they're making much more than a statement about their belief in God's ability. They're actually making a statement about the, the inability of all the other things that Babylon has put their faith in. Do you see it? When you cross a line of faith in Jesus 
It's not that you're saying I've got everything figured out. You're not saying that questions or doubt leaves. That's not what belief means. That's not what faith means. What you are saying is all the other things that I've tried, that image of gold, it didn't work. Sex didn't work. Money didn't work. Position didn't work. Power didn't work. Fame didn't work. The inability, all of those things, family, friends, people, like those things can be good, but they cannot be ultimate. When they stood up to the king, they were not only making a statement about God, they were making a statement about everything else and putting it in its place. When you stand firm in your faith, you're telling this, the enemy with all kinds of boldness and gumption and strength, you're saying, all those things that you're throwing my way, nah, I, I can see through that. I've been down that road. I know where that takes me. Those things don't suffice. They don't fill the void. They don't meet the need. The creation has no comparison to the creator. None. I wonder what was going through their head. Like, can you, can you imagine them standing there, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I wonder if they were tempted like I am tempted, like you are tempted, um, to, to kind of just cave or to cow, to bend, to break. I wonder if they thought, you know what? What if we take a knee? I could, can you almost hear in their conversation, this isn't in scripture, but I just wonder what's going through their head. These are human beings. And these guys, by the way, are 13, 14, 15 years old. Any teenagers in here? That's these guys. Sometimes we, we, um, we do a disservice to the faith of the younger generation of kids and youth thinking that it's lesser or they're less strong or less able or whatever to take your pick of other things that we could throw at them. And it's just not true. All throughout the Bible, these guys were teenagers standing up to the strongest king in the known world. But I wonder what's going through their head. I wonder if they're like, hey, what if we take a knee and we pretend, what if we fake him out? You know, we're kneeling before this thing, but we're really praying to Jehovah, our God. What if, what if we just do that? Or what if we take a knee and, and we bow down, but tomorrow, so we, we sin today, but tomorrow, our God's gracious, like tomorrow morning, we'll feel the regret and the guilt and, and we'll pray to God We'll offer a sacrifice tomorrow. Anyone been down that line of logic before? I wonder if they are thinking, you know what, God will understand. God's a gracious God, but they didn't do it. James, the book of James says that uh, faith um, without action is dead. He's pretty, like really strong language. Faith without action is dead. Faith draws a line in the sand saying, nope, nope, not gonna do it. Not gonna do it, wouldn't be prudent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I wanna continue on in the story. We've been in verse 12 where they stand up and they get told on and they get called before the king and verse 13 gets, it's getting a little heated. See what I did there? 
Uh, oh, oh, it's bad. It's getting bad. It's getting deep, all right? Dad jokes, okay? Verse 13, verse 13 goes like this. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, guys, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Isn't that a funny uh, question when you understand the meaning of their name. Is it true, servant of Nabu and under the command of Aku, that you won't serve Aku? My label didn't work on you. It didn't work, you remember who you are. And your faith is deeper than what I've tried to do. I love that. Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, and all these instruments, all this kind of music, if you're ready to fall down, he's being merciful here, do you hear it? If you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good, it's kind of patronizing. But if you, are not, if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? It's getting a little cocky now. Verse eight. Now, before we go to verse eight, belief is to invite opposition. This is where belief gets tough. You know, I mentioned at the beginning that belief is hard. I'm sure like for Jerry and Annie that shared their story at the, at the beginning of the service, like they shared about Jerry raising his hand and taking the step in faith and then getting, and the two of them getting baptized. And, but it's not come without hardship. It's not come without opposition. If you could sit around a table with them and hear about parts of their story where it's been hard, where they've faced opposition from the enemy. Verse eight says this, some astrologers came forward to denounce, which this word means accuse or slander. Anyone, have been, anyone been accused of something recently? Slandered, gossiped about? Anyone invited that kind of opposition? Verse 13, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, anyone have considered themselves a people pleaser? Oh, he's angry at me? He's angry, the king's angry. What if we just bend over and just, what if we figure, oh, I can't handle him being mad at me. Furious with rage. Verse 15, then what God will be able to save you or rescue you from my hand. This is where he's getting pretty arrogant. It's like, I'm, I'm the king of, most of the known world right now, I, do you remember what I did to your king? And you're 13, 14, 15? I hear it almost, in, it's a similar tone of voice from Goliath to David in 1 Samuel. He's like, am I a dog that you would come at me with a stick? Is this a game to you? Are we playing fetch here? Like, is this a game? At Life Group on Tuesday night, I, I uh, go to a Life Group at the Hoff's house and they're our host home. And uh, we were down in the basement, that's where we meet and we talk about uh, the questions and we talk about life together and we read through scripture together. And, um, and I heard the boys upstairs laughing. Some of their boys were playing a video game, they were laughing. And I was like, what's going on? So we got done with our life group and I come upstairs, they're still laughing. They're playing an NBA uh, game on the Xbox and they're playing a one-on-one -on -one game. And I realized real quickly what they were laughing about because they had chosen for this one-on-one -on -one game for Yao Ming to play against Muggsy Bogues. 
Now, if you're not an NBA fan in here, this, these are the two guys in real life. Muggsy Bogues is on the left. This is not Photoshopped, by the way. <laughs> this is real. Muggsy Bogues is five foot three, the shortest NBA player to play in the NBA. Five foot three. That's like here on me, guys. I'm like a giant. I mean, I'm tall. I've never been called tall before, but I'm tall with Muggsy, okay? All right? Yao Ming is on the other end. He's one of the tallest basketball players ever to play in the NBA. He made Shaq look short. He was seven foot six. He's seven foot six. They're playing this one-on-one -on -one game where, and they're laughing about it because it's just a joke. It's this guy that has two over two feet on the other guy. And he's blocking shots. Muggsy's trying to throw up shots for this NBA game. And he's blocking him, he's blocking him, and he's blocking him. And this is the picture I get here with this kind of mockery. Are you kidding me, guys? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, like I kidnapped you. I renamed you. I destroyed your king. I destroyed the temple that stood for 400 years. Solomon's temple. I took all the devoted things and brought them back here. What do you think you can do? Mockery. They endured the pressure of slander, accusation, rage, anger, mockery, the threat of pain, probability of death. In a nutshell, suffering. What does your belief do in the face of opposition? Belief is to invite opposition. It's not to run away from it. It's not to excuse you from it. It's actually to invite it. I, don't, I hope that's not like bad news for some of you today. It's reality. I hope it gives some real uh, feeling to if you're walking through the fire today, like, okay, I'm not, I'm actually, I'm going the right direction. Like when I'm facing adversity, like Jesus is with me in that. I'm getting ahead of myself. First Peter says this, you remember Peter, one of the disciples, the one that always stuck his foot in his mouth, like that, that guy? <laughs> Peter said this in 1 Peter, he's writing this letter to other churches, and he says this, this, these churches are going through all kinds of hardship and suffering and persecution, and people are being put to death all over the place, and they're being used for sport, with gladiator games under the command of Nero, that it's early church time period. 1 Peter 1 says this, so be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested, check this out. I wonder if he's thinking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as he's talking about it. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies, as fire tests and it refines gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. Do you hear faith in this? Do you hear belief in this? Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious inexpressible joy. The reward for your belief, for your trust, for your faith in Jesus will be the salvation of your souls. Through the fire, through the testing, I heard someone recently say, you're either coming out of a hard time, you're in a hard time, or you're going into a hard time. But the story gets good right here. This is, I, this, these are some of the best verses um, in scripture when it comes to faith, when it comes to how to exact and to live out your faith. Verse 16, 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, these teenage boys, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. <laughs> if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able. The God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from it, from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, I want everyone to say, but even if, but even if, but even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Belief says you're able, it says you will, and it says, but even if. These are three statements from these young men that are so timely for our faith today. The first is this, God, I believe that you're able. Some of you have never taken that step in your belief or in your faith. God, I believe you to be who you've said that you are. I believe you to be uh, Hananiah, that God is gracious. I believe you to be Mishael, uh, the God that's unlike any other God, and Azariah, the God um, that is my helper. I believe you to be these names and this meaning. I believe that you're able. Some of you, the next step in your faith today is that God is willing. Ooh, that's a lot more risky. Because I, I thought that God wanted to I know he's able to, but I thought he wanted to and I prayed for him to do that thing and then he didn't. And I got a report that wasn't really good from the doctor. And then I experienced something that, like, is God really willing? Will he do it? Can I believe that he wants to do it? Some of you, the next step in your faith, this is the one where I, I feel like I'm here in between these two a lot. And I'm here cyclically in my faith. But even if God, even if. It's his trust in his abilities, trust in his intentions, and trust in him for the outcome. Chris Beale said it this way, faithful obedience is our responsibility. The outcome is God's. It's even if I don't get the promotion, even if that relationship isn't reconciled, even if God doesn't behave like I want him to, even if I don't get the report that I want from the doctor, even if the report is cancer, even if the report is terminal, even if I get made fun of students at school, even if I'm outcast from the group that I wanna be a part of, even if I lose my job, even if money is tight and I don't know how we're gonna pay the bills tomorrow morning, even if God, my trust is in you. My family has gone through one of the hardest, even if, um, situations, fiery furnaces, um, really the hardest in my life and the hardest in most of our lives in our extended family. Um, about seven weeks ago on Thursday, this past Thursday, just over seven weeks ago, we got a call, Amy got a call from her mom and her brother Nate and his wife Stacy were expecting, they were 38 weeks along. So we thought the call was going to be, hey, they've gone into labor and <clears throat> um, Ella is gonna be here soon. Instead, we got a call that said that they went to the doctor and they, and they couldn't find a heartbeat. 
So then they were sent to the hospital. And later that evening on Thursday, they delivered Ella. And we rushed down to Indy and the whole family gathered around them. And we all have faith in Jesus, but that was, that was and still is probably the hardest and is con- like we're still in the fire. I, I got a text from her last night that said, I'm still in the fiery furnace. Um, I still don't like the situation. I'm still trusting in Jesus. Still in the fiery furnace. We got to hold baby Ella, but didn't hear her cry. She wasn't there, she was with Jesus. We won't get to hear her say her first words or take her first steps. What do you do? What do you do when you're faced with the fire furnace and you're even thrown in? When you stand up to the king of this world and your hands are bound and you're thrown in, what do you do when you're in the midst of pain and hardship and suffering? What does your faith do? I can't, I'm not gonna lie to you, we have questions that we don't have answers to. We have questions of why and God, where are, Jesus, are you? And we have, we believe, this is what we believe is that this next verse here, you see Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they were thrown into the furnace after standing up to the king and he he heated it seven times hotter and they actually saw other people die as they were being uh, taken to the furnace, it was so hot that some of the guards were killed in the process. And they get thrown in. And Daniel chapter three, verse 24 says this, and this is where our hope lies, church. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and he asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? And they replied, certainly your majesty. And he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. And it was, it was Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ entering into the fire with him. You see, like Jesus is the only God, Tim Keller says, Jesus is the only God who walks objectively into the fiery furnace for us. He's the only God we celebrated this week and like the, through the passion of Christ and Palm Sunday and Easter. He's the only God that came down and he actually said the same thing to his father. God, not my will, but yours be done. He's the only one that walks into the pain with us. What's the pain that you're walking through today? Is it loss? Is it brokenness? Is it questioning? Is it challenging of your, like, whatever it is of your faith? Jesus is not apart from it. We believe we'll see Ella again. And we believe that Jesus is walking with us through the fire right now. We believe that he's in the fiery furnace with us. Daniel chapter three says this. We're gonna, before we sing this song in closing, 
Then King Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted him and they defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. To make this really personal, I want, I want you to take your name and put it in place of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Praise be to the God of John, of Haley, of Mike, of Dennis, of Cheryl, Randy, of Joe. Praise be to their God who has sent their angel, his angel to rescue his servant. They, he, she trusted in him and defied the king's command and they were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Can it be said of you? Can it be said of me? So we sing this song. We're gonna sing this song, Another in the Fire. And as we do, I want you to stand when you're ready and I want you to consider this story. I want you to picture yourself in their shoes, standing in defiance of the enemy, believing, resolving in your heart in the presence and the power and the work of Jesus. And as you stand, stand with conviction. Let's sing this together. It's another in the fire standing next to me there was another in the waters holding back the seas should i ever need reminding of how i've been set free there is across the bears the burden where another died for me there is another in the fire said to the king, the God we serve, he's able to deliver us and he will deliver us. But even if he does not, we want you to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. We're going to sing these words almost in a call and response. We're going to sing, even if he doesn't. And I want you to insert it for your life what that statement is. Even if he doesn't, I'm still going to serve Jesus. Even if he doesn't, I'm going to trust him through this pain. Even if he doesn't, at that at that funeral that I'm going to go to later this week or later this month, I'm going to still worship and praise God, even if he doesn't. What is it for you? We're going to sing these words. Even if he doesn't. Sing it out. Even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't. We won't bow down. We won't bow down. Even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't, we're still going to trust in you, Jesus. Even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't, we're going to remember who we are. We're going to remember that you're gracious and that you're with us. That you are our helper. God, we're going to put our arms around our brothers and sisters in Christ and stand tall. We're going to stand tall together. We're going to trust in you. We're not going to bow down. Even if he doesn't. Before God this morning, even if He doesn't, you're gonna believe. 